Kids, for those of you who are in here with us today, I want you to know I'm really glad you are in here, and you're an important part of our church family, and we love you. Do you guys remember a few uh, weeks ago when the power went out? Do you kids remember that? When there was a big windstorm and we lost power in our houses? We're, now, some of, you, some of you might not admit this, but were any of you scared at all? When that happened, a little bit, thank you. Okay, right? It's a little bit disorienting when all of a sudden the power's out and it's like, it doesn't look like this is coming on for a while. Um, and, and that could be a little bit scary. Sometimes the dark is a little bit scary because you don't know what's there. And, and that's why the gift of light really is a gift for us kids. And so we're thankful for that. And uh, in a lot of places in the world, they don't have electricity. Man, it hit me. I was like, so this is why. People used to get up at dawn and go to bed at sunset, <laughs> right? This is why you worked when the sun was up, because there wasn't light to, to go, go work um, when it was dark. And, you know, sometimes in life when we're describing how things are going in our lives, we use the analogies of light and dark to describe that. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> maybe, for example, when, when something good happens in your life, uh, like maybe you get an unexpected visit or phone call from a friend, you look back at that and, and you say, that was really a bright spot in my day. That was really a bright spot in, in my week. Um, or on the other hand, maybe if, if you think back about a, a, a time of your life that was difficult for you, you might describe that as, as being a really dark time in your life, a dark time. And I think most of us would probably say that we would sure rather have more bright spots <laughs> in our life. We, 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 we want more light. And often, you know, when we're going through darkness, we're hoping and praying that there's a light up ahead. And some of you are going through dark times right now. And I know that. And some of our neighbors are going through really dark times. And we need a bright spot of light and hope in our life. And... I want you to be encouraged that no matter how dark things might appear to be right now in your life, <clears throat> there is a real and unchanging and eternal light, a spiritual light that's available to you that can warm your cold soul that's been cold in the dark and that can accompany you on the journey that you're on to show you which way to go. And that can also serve as a beacon of hope in dark times, even when there doesn't seem like much light around you. And that light is Jesus Christ. Amen. Countless forces of darkness have tried to snuff out the light of Jesus over the course of human history. But the darkness has never overcome the light of Jesus. And it never will. It never will. And, that, and that's wonderful news, okay, for you and for me. And what I want to do this morning is talk about why that is. Why is that such good news for us that, that nothing can put out the light of Jesus? Well, if you've got your Bible with you today, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 12. I haven't done this in a while where I'm preaching on one verse, but uh, we did that in Philippians. But, but uh, we're going to do that today because this verse is packed with so much great content. And as you're turning to, to that, John chapter 8, verse 12, let me kind of remind you what's happening in this passage. And if you haven't been here, I'll give you a recap. <clears throat> Jesus was teaching in the temple uh, in Jerusalem to a massive audience during one of their great festivals. And this was called the Festival of Booths. And 
Since Jesus has been in Jerusalem for this festival, a number of people have already tried to arrest Jesus and have tried to have him killed. And the crowd, as Jesus is teaching, they're split over what to think of him. Uh, He has offended many people by his teaching uh, as well, including the, the Jewish teachers. And they, they also want to set a trap for Jesus and see him killed. But uh, despite their efforts to get their hands on him, we read this phrase over and over again in the Gospel of John that nobody lays a finger on Jesus because, quote, his hour had not yet come. His hour had not yet come. In other words... Jesus, who is God and God the Father, um, who, who's, who sovereignly reigns over everything, did not allow anybody to touch Jesus. He held them back from Jesus because Jesus' time had not yet come to be arrested and to be tried and to go to the cross. And so instead of cursing this violent crowd that was against him, Jesus responds to them in love. This very crowd that wants to get rid of him, Jesus keeps teaching them the truth and showing them compassion so that some of them might be saved for eternity. And that brings us to the verse we're going to look at today. Uh, let's pray and ask God to help us as, as we read his word here. Dear Jesus, thank you for teaching us the truth. Thank you for shining brightly so that we might see the truth. Um, thank you for your faithfulness to us, even when we have not been faithful to you. <laughs> Thank you for choosing to come to redeem so many of our lives uh, despite our, our rebellion against you. And we, as we read this word, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would please help us. Please open our hearts, pierce our hearts with your truth. Um, open the eyes of our souls, shine into us with your truth. Please use this word to spur us on, to spur us on to worship you more to love you more, to do good deeds for your name's sake. God, we pray also for those who have, not <clears throat> who have not yet been saved by you, that you would please use this word to regenerate them, to make them born again and saved as they hear this good news of Jesus. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at John eight twelve says this, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, let's read that one more time. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, praise God. This one verse is filled with so many truths uh, that, that we want to camp out on this today. It highlights the reality that what God wants for us is everlasting joy. He wants everlasting joy and life for you and for me and for everybody on this planet. And the way that we will experience maximum joy now and forever says is by trusting Jesus and following Jesus as we seek to see Jesus more glorified and and to see Jesus more worshiped and more adored uh, in our lives and in our homes and in our hearts and in our minds. 
Now, before we talk about exactly how that happens and what that looks like, I want to start by talking about what Jesus doesn't want for us. Darkness. Okay. In the second half of verse 12, Jesus says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Okay. So this, that doesn't mean that whoever follows Jesus won't go through hard times. It's not what it's saying. Well, we're, we're kind of talking here about, um, it, it means if, if we're not following Jesus, then we are walking in spiritual darkness. Okay, And throughout the Bible, spiritual darkness is described as a dreadful place to dwell. Okay? Now on your insert in your bulletin, I've kind of got an outline if that's going to help you follow me today. But <clears throat> I read some good thoughts by an author named Richard Phillips, and he explains four reasons why spiritual darkness uh, is so dreadful. And first, uh, the first reason is that the darkness is the realm of ignorance. It's a realm of ignorance, okay? Because you're, you're living in the darkness, you can't see. You can't sp- see the spiritual dangers that surround you. Uh, Psalm 82.5 says that the ignorant have neither knowledge nor understanding, and they walk about in darkness. They walk about in darkness. So the darkness is the realm of ignorance. It's, it's not knowing what's around you, not knowing reality. Second, uh, the darkness is the realm of evil. This is is how the Bible describes it. Proverbs 4.19 says that the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. And throughout the Bible, the darkness is is used to describe the place where evil dwells. Okay. The darkness is the realm of evil. Third, the darkness is the realm of misery and death. Misery and death. The prophet Isaiah described uh, the darkness of this world as distressful and dark and gloomy and full of anguish because a person has no hope in the darkness. Uh, Because of sin, we're, we're in bondage to the darkness, meaning we are slaves to the darkness, which ultimately drags us down to the darkness of death. The darkness is the realm of misery and death. And then fourth, the darkness is the realm of God's wrath. Okay, Jesus described a day when the world as we know it will end, and uh, that's going to be the best day ever for everyone who has trusted in Jesus, and it will be the worst day ever for those who have rejected Jesus. He's going to come back to earth to give everlasting life to his bride, his church, and to give everlasting punishment to those who have rejected him. And Jesus says this in Matthew 22. He uses the darkness as a a way to describe what it's going to be like. He says that those who have rejected him will be bound hand and foot and cast into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. That's because the darkness is the realm of God's wrath. And so in his word, in the Bible, God describes the darkness as as a dreadful realm, a dreadful place, because it's where ignorance is, it's where evil is, it's where misery and death and ultimately God's wrath are. Now, humanity wasn't always subjected to the darkness. Uh, Darkness is is not the realm in which we were created to live. Uh, Humanity pulled itself into the darkness when it willingly 
disobeyed God and willingly said, we would rather worship ourselves than worship you, God. We brought the curse on ourselves. And humanity wanted the darkness of sin. It enjoyed the darkness. And in so doing, it brought itself under God's wrath. And it's in the setting of the darkness, this this dark, hopeless world that God chose to break into with his glorious light in order to pull us out of the darkness, okay? That's what Jesus left heaven and came to earth to do, to, to bring the light of God back to humanity so that some of humanity might live forever in the presence of this life-giving light that they were created to live with forever. That's what God is. He's a life-giving light. And, and that's why in the middle of this dark and evil crowd in the, in the temple, Jesus shines brightly, okay, in the darkness with compassion. And he gloriously proclaims, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. Jesus, who is God the Son, has come to rescue us from ignorance. He's come to rescue us from evil, to rescue us from misery and death and wrath. Jesus is the light of the world. Amen? So as we look at John 8, 12 today, I want to focus on three important words, okay? First one is light. Second one is the. And the third one is world, it's another good word. Follow is an important word there too, but we're not going to get that, to that today. We'll mention it. <clears throat> but first, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Okay, light. And we spent, the reason I, I kind of spent some time there hashing out the depression of darkness <laughs> is because now, only when we understand the darkness we're living in, can we truly appreciate how wonderful the light is. Okay? And Jesus says, He is that light. And an important thing that light does is it pierces into the darkness and it shines through the darkness in order to illuminate what's actually there, in order to show you reality. And throughout this book, the Gospel of John, uh, the Apostle John frequently uses the imagery of light to describe Jesus. And he also um, mentioned several times where Jesus refers to himself as the light What that means is that Jesus shines through the darkness in order to illuminate and reveal reality to us. Jesus shines onto reality for us. So what I want to do is I want to start as we talk about the light. I want to take a few minutes to identify six things that the light of Jesus reveals just in the according to the gospel of John. Okay, that the gospel of John says that the light of Jesus reveals six things. Okay, first of all, the light of Jesus reveals the truth to us. Okay. John 1, 9 describes Jesus as the true light, which gives light to everyone. So Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the true light, which shines onto everything and reveals what's truly there. In other words, Jesus isn't a liar. Jesus is not uh, a, a deceiver. He, he, he didn't come to earth in order to lie to us. That's, that's what Satan does. Jesus came to show us the truth. And he came to show us the truth about ourselves and uh, about him 
and about the world around us so that ultimately we might be rescued from the darkness, okay? So that means that as the true light, whatever Jesus says is true. Whatever he does is true, regardless of whether we choose to believe it. He is the standard of truth. He's the objective standard of truth, okay? And so the light of Jesus reveals the truth to us. That's the first thing. Second, the light of Jesus reveals what's in us. The light of Jesus reveals what is in us. <clears throat> and that's a lot. That, there's a lot, okay? So let's talk about that for a minute. In, in Genesis 1.27, we read that all of humanity, all of humans were, were created differently than the rest of creation. Humans were created in the image of God. And so that means that God created people in such a way that we resemble him in a way. We, we were created differently than creation. We were, we were created to be friends with God, to have a relationship with God, of, of friendship. And, and God uh, made us in such a way that we were designed to reflect his glory back to him and to uh, the rest of the world. We're God's image bearers throughout the globe. And so the light of Jesus reveals that God uniquely loves us humans and he created us for a special purpose. And at the same time, the light of Jesus reveals how far we've strayed from the original plan for us. Uh, the light of Jesus shines into our hearts and into our minds and into our souls. And what it does is it reveals the warped desires, the warped motives of our hearts in us, okay? The light reveals that because of sin, our hearts no longer desire God naturally. We don't desire God naturally. The light shows that our minds no longer think true thoughts naturally. Our, our, our souls are not naturally alive to God anymore. Our souls are dead to God. And so it's through God's illuminating word, the Bible, and it's through the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit that the light of Christ shines onto this. It shines onto our sinfulness. Now, now when God convicts us and he shares and, and shines his truth onto us, our natural response is no longer to fall down to the Lord and say, oh God, you're holy and I'm sinful and thank you for showing me my sin. <laughs> it's not how we respond to God. Instead, our natural response is to say, I hate you for doing this. I don't want to see my sin. I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to run away and hide. That's what Adam did. That's what we do in our natural state. We want to hide from God. Because John 3.20 says, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. So the light of Christ, which, which shines the truth onto us, it shows us we're sinful. It shows us we've rebelled against God. It shows us we're guilty of sin. It shows us we deserve punishment for our sin. And so who in their right mind would ever want God to shine light onto them, right? Nobody who's driven by the impulses of the flesh will want that, okay? Only those that God graciously gives spiritual life to will actually seek the light of Christ, okay? And get this, God now actually flips sinfulness on its head in order to serve a crucial role in our own process of becoming like Jesus, okay? 
God first, for the first time, when a first person becomes a Christian, when the first time a person becomes a, a Christian, God shows them for the first time their sin and guilt so that they, they confess to God this sin. They, they see their need for a Savior. They, they receive his forgiveness for the first time as they trust in Jesus' substitutionary death on the cross, which now takes away their sin from them, right? And that's the first, the first time it happens. Now, for the Christian... The rest of his or her life, the rest of our lives, consists of drawing closer to the light of Christ. That's what we're doing. We're going closer to Christ, who, as we draw closer to the light, shines more brightly on us and reflects more imperfections in us so that we might continue to be shaped more into his image. So that as these imperfections are shown in us, we might, by the power of the Spirit, acknowledge those sins to God and to other people, and celebrate and claim our forgiveness uh, that's, that's available in Christ so that we can then turn away from that sin and, and turn to Jesus more and more as we pursue Jesus without fear of being condemned to death, okay? Without fear of condemnation. So the light of God that, that graciously reveals sin in us um, is, is a wonderful grace to us. Okay, and it, and it uses us to, to bring more glory to God. He uses that. Okay, so that was a long point, but the, the light of Jesus shows us what's in us. Now, third, the light of Jesus reveals God to us. It reveals God to us. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's using the same phrase he used with Moses hundreds of years before when Moses asked God what his name was. And God said, I am, I am who I am. And in other words, one of God's names is I am. That's why in the Gospel of John, Jesus, in the Gospel of John, it's known for Jesus' I am statements, right? So Jesus says, I am the light. I am God. I am the light of the world. And John 3, 19 says, and this is the judgment, the light, Jesus has come into the world, okay? Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 2.9 says that in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So Jesus Christ is the fullest and most complete revelation of who God is. And in the life of Jesus, when we look at him, we see how God thinks and how he feels, and how he acts. And in the person of Jesus, we see the, the perfect expression of love and of justice. In Jesus, we see the perfect expression of compassion and righteous wrath. In Jesus, we see the perfect expression of joy and sacrifice. And because the Bible is God's word written down, God says that it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. So the Bible, as God's word, shines the light and truth of God to us and for us. So the light of Jesus reveals God to us. Fourth, the light of Jesus reveals to us the pathway to God. It shows us the pathway to God. Jesus says in John 8, 12, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
So Jesus is the light that we follow in order to know God, in order to live with God, our God, forever. Um, it's as though we've been trapped in an underground mine that is dark and dank and suffocating and hopeless. And then out of nowhere, a beam of light pierces through some rocks at the end of the tunnel and shows us the way out, the way to freedom, the way to life. And we're so thankful for this light. We, we treasure this light which rescued us and showed us the way to life. And Jesus is this light, okay? Jesus is the light that rescues us from darkness and shows us the way to freedom and to eternal life. Jesus is this light that we treasure because he, he always reveals to us the way to God. Get this, in John 12, 46, Jesus says, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Doesn't want us to remain in darkness. The light of Jesus reveals to us the pathway to God. And fifth, the light of Jesus reveals eternal life to us. The light of Jesus reveals eternal life to us. John 1, 4 says, In him, Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. So it's saying that Jesus is the source of light, and also Jesus is the source of real life. Okay? And remember that eternal life, which it's talking about, it doesn't just refer to the quantity of life. It's not just talking about life that never ends. It's part of it. But eternal life also uh, uh, relates to, it, 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 um, it refers to the quality, okay? The quality of life. So eternal life refers to a life filled with true purpose, with true joy and real peace and a real rock solid hope, which gives us real celebration and real cause to celebrate and real freedom and, and true contentment. Okay, that's the kind of life that Jesus came to give to us. And that begins in this life. And the great news is that eternal life only increases in quality exponentially after this life. Okay. Let me, let me tell you a cool historical fact that I learned this week about the Jewish Feast of Booths, um, which, which here thousands of people had gathered to celebrate in Jerusalem. The feast was seven or eight days long, and every night of the feast, four humongous lamps were lit in the temple court so that people could dance and celebrate together in the light. And the lighting of the lamps and the illumination of the temple court was a time of great joy for the Jewish people. Uh, they celebrated how God had saved them, how he had shown them the way, how they, he had provided for them to get to this point. And so they would celebrate together. They would party together every night of the festival of booths. But on the last night of the festival, they did something different. Instead of lighting all of the lamps they left the largest lamp unlit. And they didn't light the, this great lamp because they wanted to remember they had not yet fully experienced the salvation that would come with the coming Messiah. Okay? They left that lamp unlit. And so it's at the end of the festival 
that Jesus now stands up and speaks to the crowd after the great lamp has been left unlit, and he says, I am the light of the world. I am the light you've been waiting for. I am the light you were created to enjoy forever. I, I'm the light that can save you and that can satisfy you forever. If you trust in me, if you follow me, you will never walk in darkness. So Jesus said. So the light of Jesus reveals eternal life to us. And sixth, the light of Jesus reveals God's eternal victory over the darkness. This is an awesome point, you guys. John 1.5 says, the light sh Jesus shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, okay? The light Jesus shines in the darkness. Jesus shines in, pierces through the darkness of sin, through the, the, the darkness of ignorance and evil and misery and death and wrath, and none of those things have overcome Jesus, okay? Satan and sin and hell and death and everything else in the darkness that's been, been trying to actively oppose Jesus in his light have never conquered Jesus, ever, and none of them ever can. See, nothing ever will put out the light of Jesus. And we know this, one reason is because in the, in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation, which the Apostle John also wrote, he describes what heaven's gonna be like, our eternal home and the new, the new heavens and the new earth. And he says in, in chapter 21, verse 23, the city has no need for sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The Lamb of God, Jesus, the Passover Lamb. He is the light, okay? You guys, no matter what comes in your life and in my life on earth, no matter what comes to this country, no matter what happens to this world, Jesus is greater than all of it, okay? He will continue to shine into eternity brighter than our sun ever could. And as the light of the world, Jesus is, he's this for us. He's a living, walking, breathing, all-powerful God who righteously says, no one overcomes me. That's what God says. No one overcomes me. And, and no one overcomes everybody who belongs to me. You get that? If you're covered, un if you're underneath the wings of God, you're safe. No one will overcome you. If you put your trust in Jesus for salvation, aren't you glad that the darkness can't overcome you? Even though there are really dark times in this life. Evil can't overcome you. It can't conquer you because you've been united to the light. You've been united to Jesus. You've been united to the one who cannot and will not ever be overcome. Praise God. Okay, so the light of Jesus reveals God's eternal victory over the darkness. It's not even a competition, okay? Not even a competition. There's God and then there's every created thing. God's the uncreated one. So those are six things that the light of Jesus reveals to us. And, and all of those truths, those six things correlate just to the word light. Now I won't spend as much time on the other words, okay? But there are two other words I want to look at. The word the and the, wor the word world. So let's begin by looking at the word the and specifically how it's placed before the word light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Okay. He doesn't say, I am a light of the world. 
He doesn't say, I'm one of many lights of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the pathway to God. I am the Lamb of God. I am the eternal life of men. So by saying, I am the light, I am the light of the world, Jesus is saying there's no other light of the world. There isn't any other light of the world. There's no other pathway to God. There's no other Lamb of God. There's no other eternal life. Jesus is the light, the one light. And in that claim, Jesus is claiming exclusivism, okay? He's saying he is God and there is no other, which totally uh, corresponds with what all of scripture says. There is one God, there is no other. Jesus' claim of, of exclusivity here is one of the reasons why so many people hated him, okay? People wouldn't have been bothered if Jesus would have said, I'm here for, uh, with you for a little while and I'm gonna be a light for you and I'm gonna show you a path to greater enlightenment. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus said, I am the light and there is no other. And that claim is still very offensive, right? It's very offensive to so many people today. Now, when people tell you that they think you're intolerant because you believe that Jesus is the only light of the world, their real problem isn't with you. Their problem's with Jesus, okay? You're not the one who said that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus said it, okay? You're just repeating Jesus and saying that you believe Jesus, that he's telling you the truth, but the reason Jesus claimed to be the only way to God isn't because he's trying to be rude. It's not because he was trying to be uh, intolerant. It's because he's telling the truth. <laughs> it would have been unloving if he would have said, oh, there are lots of lights. Pick one. No, he said, I am the light. If you want God, here I am. Okay. He loves us. Now, some people will say, and it's a good question, what about the 1.6 billion Muslims in the world? That's a lot of people. Are, are you, they all going to hell because they don't believe Jesus is the light? Um, what about the one billion Hindus in the world? Are they all condemned because they don't exclusively worship Jesus as the light of the world? What about the 500 million Buddhists in the world? Um, are you saying they don't know the true God? And, and what about all those people born in foreign countries who haven't even heard about Jesus? Are they all going to hell because they've never heard the gospel? Because they don't know about the light. Well, one thing I would say in order to level the playing field when we hear arguments like that is that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came to save the world because the world was already condemned. You gotta get that order right. He came to save the world because all of us were already condemned, okay? That's why Jesus says in John three eighteen, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever doesn't believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the Son of God, of the only Son of God. So it's not like this. We have to understand, it's not like there's billions of us walking around on earth, and after our lives, God's going to try to decide whether we should um, um, not have the curse of sin and go to heaven or hell. You guys, we already have the curse of sin. Hell is already the destination for all of us unless we trust in Jesus. Okay, that's the order. The fact that before trusting in Jesus, all of us have worshiped false gods. Okay, I don't care what you call it, Buddha, Hindu, whatever, drugs, yourself, whatever. We've all worshiped false gods. 
Okay. Those are symptoms of the reality that we didn't know the true light. We didn't know Jesus Christ. And so the simple fact is that nothing can save us from the darkness except Jesus. He is the light. I mean, think about this. Who, who honestly, but Jesus is God. How do you make an argument for anybody else? Really? Who but Jesus has been the perfect Passover lamb who has embodied our sins in his body on the cross and then absorbed the fullness of God's wrath toward our sin. Who else has done that? How else, and how else do you get rid of the punishment? How do you get rid of the punishment for sin? Is, is it, well, if I just lift a, if I live a really good life, I'm hoping God will cut me some slack when I meet him. How, well, I, then the question is, how low of a view of God do you have that you think you can reach God? God is, he's way up there. We're down here on a good day, okay? God, God's holiness is, is beyond our brain's ability to even comprehend. I mean, who but Jesus is qualified to be the one mediator between God and men? Who, who but Jesus fulfilled hundreds of ancient prophecies spot on through his birth and through his life and through his death and through his resurrection? Get this, who but Jesus was publicly slaughtered and then publicly witnessed by hundreds of eyewitnesses who claimed they saw him rise from the dead and then whose resurrection was subsequently testified about by Christians and non-Christians. <laughs> who else has done that? Nobody. There's, there's, there's one God, you guys. There's one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and he is our hope. He is our hope for salvation from eternal darkness. He has loved us with an everlasting love, and we want the whole world to know that there is salvation available to them in Jesus Christ. He is the light. Okay, now that brings us to the third important wor word in John eight twelve. world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay. Now get this, Jesus is exclusive in the sense that he claims to be the only light of the world. He is God, period. But Jesus is also inclusive. He's inclusive in the sense that his salvation is open to people from every people group in existence. Eternal life in Jesus isn't exclusive to any one race, or ethnicity, or gender, or social class, or country, Jesus is called the savior of the world, the light of the world, because the gospel of Jesus is for the entire world. Amen? In Revelation 7, 9 to 10, the apostle John shares this vision, really great picture, a beautiful picture of the end of the world. He says, after this I looked, and behold, a great uh, multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. To the Lamb, okay? So a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, all peoples, all languages, this is who Jesus will save, okay? 
And because Jesus is no longer here with us in flesh and blood, his game plan to spread his light is to use you and to use me and to use his, who are, we're part of his church, okay? That's why Jesus says, we are now the light of the world. Because he goes on to say that, you are the light of the world. And Jesus' Holy Spirit fills, the way this works, he fills every person who trusts in him, and then the Spirit spills over through their lives, pouring out rivers of light to others, rivers of light. And so we pray, this is our prayer, Lord, help us to, 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 to treat this work of spreading your light with a sense of urgency. With a sense of urgency because billions of people near and far stand condemned already before God right now. They're existing in the darkness of their sin and they need to see the light of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ before they die. They need to see the light. We're, we're surrounded by billions of people who need to know that there is a real God who loves them, who created them for friendship with him, who, who died for them to forgive them of their sins, who, who, who died to give them his righteousness so that they can be reconciled to God. I was thinking about this week, this, this week. you know, that word reconciled to God, it doesn't just mean God forgives us. And so, okay, you're forgiven. We can be together in the same place now. It's, no, we're friends again. <laughs> That's what it's saying. It's like, this, um, we're friends again. Like, we love being together again. This is why reconciliation overflowing into the church is such a beautiful thing, you guys. If somebody wrongs you once, the, it's, we need to follow Jesus' example. It's not, well, forget you. You, you. you wronged me once and I'm done with you. No, the idea is forgiveness and then reconciliation where we can do with one another what Jesus has done for us. We can be friends with one another and move on together stronger. Wow, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and it's only available through the power of Christ. And so, may God fill us with this, his spirit, may, may he fill us with an urgency to tell the gospel, to invite others to church, to, to lay down our lives for others as Christ has laid down his life for us. I read that there are about 6,500 people groups on earth who have never heard the gospel of Jesus and their present ability to hear the gospel of Jesus is very limited, okay? Like if you live in Stanwood, you have a pretty good shot of hearing the gospel at some point, right? There's, a, there's, a, there's enough Christians, there's a camp, there's a church. If you, if you wanna hear the gospel, you can hear the gospel. That's just not how it is in a lot of places. And this is why we print in our bulletin an unreached people group every week, because we wanna keep this reality in our faces. We, we wanna see that, we wanna pray for them. We, we want to give our money to missionary efforts to reach these people. And, 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 and we want God to give us opportunities to go and, and to, to, to serve near and far according to his lead. Jesus is the light of Washington State. He's the light of the United States. He's the light of the whole world. And we want and get to shine brightly so that as many people as possible will trust in Jesus as soon as possible. Okay. Your workplace, your home, your family, your soccer team, your neighborhood is your mission field. So in a very practical way, what does that look like? Well, pray for people as you see them. That's one thing, just pray, like in your own mind, pray. 
pray for somebody as, 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 as you see them. Pray for opportunities to tell others about Jesus. Pray for God's courage that, that you might follow God's lead to tell others about Jesus. Jesus says he's the light and eternal life that you and I were created to enjoy forever. Jesus says he's the only way to God. He's the light. And Jesus says he is the only hope and salvation for all of planet Earth. For you today, just for you to think about in your own head, can you say that Jesus is the light of your life? Is he the central life-giving light in your life who gives you life? Is that what Jesus is for you? In your life, is Jesus, is he just kind of like that extra flashlight that you keep hidden away in a drawer for emergency purposes, right? And whenever, and when you have trouble, you go to him and you use him to help you find your way for a little bit and then you, I need to get new batteries in there for next time, right? I'll put them back in his place. Or is Jesus for you like the warm, glowing sun on a beautiful, sunny Washington day that you can't get enough of. If you're not trusting in Jesus to save you today, then I plead with you to turn from the darkness and turn to the light because you are in spiritual danger. You're messing with things that you don't understand how serious they are. And God doesn't want that for you. Turn to Jesus, turn to the light. Turn to the one, turn to the one who will show you the truth and protect you forever. Surrender your life to Jesus. Pray to him and ask him to save you and follow him the rest of your days. And if you've already done that at some point in your life, then keep turning to Jesus. The light of his promises, do uh, it does not fade. The light of his promises in his word does not fade for Christians. God doesn't shake even when our world does, okay? So keep your eyes on Jesus and he will guide you. He will show you what you need to do. He will show you where you need to go, what you need to do in your life and how you should be thinking. See the light of Jesus for yourself. Open up the Bible. See, see the light of Jesus as you, as you pray for one another, as, as, you, as we seek to live in community with one another. Um, that's one of the primary reasons for our community groups is so that we can be together and see how God brings light out of darkness in our lives. Jesus is the light of the world and whoever follows him will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, uh, thank you uh, for showing your light to us. You're the light of the world and you're way more brilliant than, than we have any idea. You shine so brilliantly and brightly and I pray God that even when there are clouds in our life that move in quickly and try to hide the light from us, God, that you would give us faith to know that you're still there. Uh, your truth doesn't change. Your promises are with us and, and for us, and they remain um, rock solid, and that we can claim those promises because of the light of the gospel of Jesus, which tells us that Jesus has come he has lived the life we couldn't live. He has died the death for our sins, for us in our place. He has given us his righteousness already. He has risen from the dead to glorious light so that all who are united to him by faith may live in the light forever. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.